In the history of television, it's never been so funny, so dramatic, so totally mind-blowing. Wow, 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 wow. Someday, television's greatest night is the biggest live event of the year. Watch the best of the best face off. And Emmy goes to... Jimmy Kimmel hosts the Emmys. You don't watch, we're not friends anymore. Live Sunday, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on ABC. Hi, this is Courtney. I'm here. We are going to do Cinemax's new original show, Quarry, Episode 1. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin I just want to let it play for a minute right I know it's such a good song (laughs) it really is but now it's got such kind of a dark sad meaning to it more than I feel like it already has just him and his writing of it and everything Um, if you don't know the song then you have not yet watched this episode Um, it is the title of the show Quarry, uh, episode one, You Don't Miss Your Water. And now we see in the very final episode, uh, minutes of the episode, why it is titled that. Um, but before we say any more, I want to introduce myself. I am your host, Courtney Henderson. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter, C-O-U-H-E-N. And of course, I'm joined by the lovely... Hey guys, I'm Lucretia Lyons. You can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. Yes, and we will normally have Phil with us. Um, he unfortunately could not join us tonight, so um, look forward to having him with us. He gave us some of his notes and kind of a little bit of his opinion, so we'll still kind of get him in on this with us. Um, I'll just kind of dig right in. We kind of know what the show is about. We're now Memphis, Tennessee, um, coming back in 1972 from the war. It opens up um, pretty dark scene. What was your kind of initial take? It's really funny because how it opens up is they're in the airport. They're coming back from Vietnam, um, which, you know, if you're not familiar with the war, there was a lot of protests that went on with this and then you see outside. So it was as opposed to soldiers coming home, even now, uh, very negative connotations. But there were some lighthearted moments like this is sort of where we meet Buddy, but we don't know who he is. And he's a funny character. And for me, seeing the old Flash comics is really cool because I'm a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. And just like the little things that they did, like the figurine he gets her that, you know, those little things just showing the time period, I really liked. And that was a good way to open up that was very authentic. Yes, and I have felt watching the entire episode tonight, it was authentic. They did a very good job all across the board with set design, clothing, even the actors and and everything that they're doing, I felt like was pretty good and kind of spot on for the time period, the 70s. And the cool thing is the showrunner and who was the director of this episode, Greg uh, Yatanes, he directed, like, Banshee before this, um, and this is, you know, okay. pulling in fans for uh, Cinemax and stuff like that, but also just every other thing I've liked ever, like, House, like, and I saw so many elements of his direction that I would draw from, like, that show, because it's one of my favorites, yeah. or, like, Lost, and, you know, it's just little details that he's always been really good at, so it was cool to spot that. Absolutely. So, they're coming home from Vietnam, obviously there's these two soldiers that we have, and... They get home, and obviously we see that initial scene. It does not go well. Um, I loved that he was trying to surprise his wife. And despite what happens in the episode, I loved that um, 
he didn't catch her cheating like the minute that he walked in the door. Yeah, to me, honestly, that's what I was expecting. And I, I guess that makes me a cynic. But, I mean, when you've already seen how crappy people were to them, you know, mm-hmm. the protesters and... Well, and yeah. just the <laughs> foreshadowing that was kind of done um, <laughs> when they were buying the flowers and the figurine and stuff. Yeah, um, you knew it wasn't going to go well. And then surprises yeah. never do. But this one, actually, you get this little happy moment, only to have it ruined later. Right. And I felt that that was really interesting in this entire show so far, kind of the contrast between like dark and light and the way that music kind of factors in into that there's there's a lot of music in the show tonight uh which i loved i love the music from this era especially because as much as i'm a big fan of like 70s rock music it wasn't the only genre and being that this is set in memphis it's almost like memphis is a character in itself and not in a very obvious way like say new york for sex in Mm -hmm. the city or girls but in a just, it's there. And if you know Memphis and you're familiar with this time period and the music styles that had come out of there, it's really cool mm-hmm. to see. Well, and maybe as the show goes on, it'll become more of a, a known character. But I'd kind of like it being like the strong the silent type. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For now. Well, let's kind of get through some of these characters. We were introduced to quite a few people tonight. I'm just going to list them off quickly and then we can kind of talk about them. Um, so we have Logan Marshall Green, of course, playing Mac Conway. He's the Marine that the show is kind of based on. Um, Jody Balfour is playing Joni, his wife. Damon Harriman is playing Buddy. Loved his intro into the show. Mm, yes. You can never go wrong with flowers. Um, Eduardo Ballerini as Carl. Nikki Amuka Bird as Ruth. Peter Mullen as the broker. So excited to have him in the show. Um, Jamie Hector as Arthur. Skip Suddeth as Lloyd. Kurt Yeager as Suggs. Happy Anderson as Detective Vern Radcliffe, and last but not least, John Randall as Detective Tommy Olson. So that's a lot of people that we kind of get introduced to tonight. Who's your favorite character so far? I'm loving Buddy because I also love Damon Harriman on um, the really underrated show on FX, Justified. Um, he oh, was sort of, of a recurring character throughout that show, and he was so funny on that. And this is even such a contrast to his, you know, redneck character there. And now he's this fabulous guy. And he had the best um, line of the episode. I, I think he wrote it down, too. When Probably. they come in, when he's singing, uh, you know, Spanish in his underwear. He's like, what would you call that you're doing? I'd call it breathtaking. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to love this guy. <laughs> yes. Loved yeah. him. Loved him. And I hope we get to learn more about how he got involved with the broker as the show goes on, I mean, obviously he's not the main character, but he plays a strong role, uh, as we'll see. But and the illusion is that he, is, you know, is that he's a killer, but his personality doesn't seem that right. way, and that's what's interesting. Is like we and we've not seen him do it yet, but right. he's certainly putting You're assuming a, uh, together a bat with nails, all like Lucille. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what did you think of the scene? I guess I mean we see them come together. We get to see. I say them, I mean Joni, and of course Mac, and everything seems kind of fine, except he's having a hard time finding a job. Um, I really felt for him when he went to the school and he's trying to become like a swim coach, and he they won't even let him volunteer. What what were you thinking? And to me, it is hard because neither one of us lived in this time. Right. But, I mean, I'm sure our parents did. And I know that, you know, from my parents uh, growing up, they said that that was very much how it was. 
that, you know, people who came back from the war of Vietnam, these people, you know, A, didn't even want to go. They were drafted. And then when they come back, they get this awful reception. They can't even get a job. And this is sort of how it started with the mistreatment of our veterans. And it's interesting you say that because um, these two chose to go back. So I felt that that was interesting, you know, and maybe there's an even more negative connotation where it's kind of like, you didn't just get drafted and have to go. You chose to go. You did that because Mac served because he was drafted and then decided a year later to go back and spend another year overseas. And to me, it's just the misconception that people had uh, back then and some people still even now Mm -hmm. is that, you know, yes, you may not agree with the war or whatever, but, you know, to me, I would respect them more for going back. Now, I don't know if there's any sort of negative, you know, aspect to that because he's like, you don't even know why. Right. But at the same time, I mean, if you have a duty and that's something I don't understand, I'm not a firefighter, I'm not a cop, I'm not in the army, but I know people that are and, and it is a sense of duty. And so to me, to go back, especially in a situation like Vietnam, I mean, I wasn't there, but I've seen Full Metal Jacket a hundred times. I know it wasn't great. Right, So to see them treated that way is just like, no wonder they go into murder for hire. Right. Yeah. And well, and and Mac doesn't want to. Yeah. I mean, he's he's trying to get away from it. and, And clearly there are not the same programs and things at that time period that there are now. For that struggle, because some of the dark to light scenes that we see are flashbacks for him, and you know, the most what seems like subtle, common thing in his day to day life at home triggers a really dark moment or memory from being in Vietnam. Yeah, and see, back then it was called shell shock, and this was really right. one of the first wars where that was discussed as you know, a, a possible you know, solution or outcome mm-hmm. from this. So to see it, you know, sort of the beginning of stages of what we now know as PTSD is really interesting in how they play that. And especially, like you say, the dark and light moments where he's in the pool, which is obviously something that he cares about and is doing. Right. But then he it brings it on himself. this. Yeah. It brings on these terrible flashbacks. Right. Yeah. And rightfully so in the few scenes we see at the very beginning of him in the water at um, before he comes back. Yeah. So. Um, well, let's just kind of keep moving along. I, what? Let's see. He tries to get the job. I loved, and I feel like so many movies do this, so I loved mm-hmm. having it in a TV show. When they're sitting in the house, uh, again, Mac and Jody, and he says, pop your lips for <laughs> me. And she does it. He's like, oh, it's better than I even remember. Because mm-hmm. I just love those kinds of things. And you, I, I feel like you always see that in movies. Where they come up with some sort of cute little thing between the couple. And so to see that in TV, I don't know, it just, it it speaks to the writing and it speaks to, I feel like, how TV is kind of shifting into this more film-esque genre. Yeah. And and the TV is kind of being shot more like, I mean, tonight's episode was an hour and 20 minutes. So that in and of itself is kind of like, it's a a movie. movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we see... The broker show up uh, with Carl at the house, and he stays calm. And, I mean, the broker points that out. And how the broker found him, who knows? I guess he's on TV and everything with all the negative attention that they're getting. But in that moment when he's kind of being propositioned and there's a bag of cash, and we know now that he can't even volunteer. You know, they won't even let him work for free at the school. Did you think he was going to do it at that point? 
to me, with his character, you you saw that there was going to be some sort of reservation because even though he went back to the war, he is not a killer by, you know, what he thinks is his nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as they point out later in the episode, obviously there's parts of that that aren't necessarily true, but he is someone who's at least visibly trying to be a better person and be, you know, right. Joni's husband. And that's who he wants to be. Hmm. Well, and I feel like he's doing a pretty good job to this point. And yeah. through that entire situation, I mean, they say, you know, as an insurance policy, they've got somebody outside the theater where she's watching a movie with her friend. Yeah. And I, I can only imagine, like, the kind of feeling to kind of have that person that you love. One thing goes wrong and, and bam, it's not going to be so fine, I think is how he worded it. I don't remember exactly. But uh, um, we then find out Moses decided that he did want the job. Yeah. Because they go to the bar and he's just throwing it down. And I was a little embarrassed for myself because it took me longer than it should have to realize that's where the money was coming from when they're sitting in the bar and he's just yeah. kind of thrown down. I mean, I did figure it out before it became obvious and, and whatnot, but uh, I did. I was like, man, that, that took me too long. I should have known better with as much as I've seen. And I hate, again, the show's, I guess I'm sort of a cynic, is like as soon as like we, we meet Moses and, mm-hmm. you know, we see that his wife was so happy to see him, mm-hmm. jumping all over him, and then he's got these nice scenes with his family, I'm just like, he's going to die. You called it. And oh I'm like, gosh. oh, God, I'm so bad. <laughs> but good. Yeah. Because you got it. Oh my gosh, let us know if you saw that or predicted that, because I didn't see it coming at all. I didn't think he was going to be as big of a part. I mean, and I guess he's not, because now he's dead. But, you know, that is sort of, it is a big role in that it changes, you know, his, uh, Corey's perspective or, you know. Right, well, I mean, that's how he gets the name Name. Corey. Mm -hmm. That's how he kind of ends up roped into this entire thing in the first place. Yeah, because he wouldn't have done it other than, you know, Moses needs a partner and then they were partners in the war, you know, they're friends. So he wants to help him. It's not about the money because he'd already turned it down. So, I guess do we just dig right into that? Might as well. So... They go on the job, and everything seems like it's going according to plan, until it's not. (laughs) I mean, we go and we find out that, um, oh my gosh, Mac is is looking in, and he's trying to, um, I guess, just keep watch and protect, and then you see... Moses get shot from the side. It's it was so yeah. such a dark, dark scene, cinematically as far as like lighting. Um, in addition to like the theme of it, but um, I I kind of had to do a double take and I was like, wait, there's more than one person here shooting. He ha- Mac hasn't even shot yet. Like what what's going on? Who who got shot? You know, because it was so dark. Yeah, and that was me. Is like you know showing that lighting, and again, I had to rewind a few times. Yeah. I'm like, what just happened? Because it was so quick. But that sort of you know a good way of you know direction, mm-hmm. just making this stuff happen so quickly, and you don't even know crap hits the fan. Right. And especially when you're murder for hire, and you know this is their first job. I mean, granted, they're killing people um, as part of the war, but that's a different thing. And mm-hmm. so it just shows how quickly, you know, life can change. And there was just a lot of subtext there with this quick shift. And that's sort of the pivotal moment that changes 
you know, his life. Absolutely. I, I mean, having to go in and take care of business and kind of quote unquote finish the job while dealing with the stress of losing your friend. And I mean, it sort of felt like a war zone again. Uh, and I, I think that maybe that sort of feeling was intentional in the direction. And that's also what kind of gave Mac the ability to thrive in a situation, like you said before, and kind of how he feels of himself. He's not a murder for hire. Like this isn't who he is. And so it had to be chaotic and kind of in a situation where he could do what he had to do and, and kill. I mean, yeah, because you going to say? Yeah, he was not even going to be a part of the murder. He's just there as backup. But when he sees his friend, you know, shot his first, you know, that's his reaction is to, you know, stop this. And, you know, it's not so much get revenge, but, you know, sort of, you know, what do you do if you're in that situation? You know, these guys have guns, too. you got to protect mm -hmm. yourself. They've just shot your friend. And it is funny how the whole point was to get um, Suggs, who was played by Kurt Yeager, yes. who most people would know, um, from the Sons of Anarchy, Damon Pope season, season five. He was one of the nomads of Sam Crow. <laughs> Ooh, fun fact there but, yeah i mean speaking of tv in the history of television it's never been so funny so dramatic or so good think about the shows that are on this season there's house of cards modern family downton abbey game of thrones what else i mean blackish i love that show Homeland, Better Call Saul, watch the after show when we start back, guys. <laughs> Veep, uh, Transparent, Silicon Valley, Mr. Robot, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Like, there's too many to list. It's television's golden age right now. Oh, yeah, and don't forget the Americans, Transparent, and Masters of None. And on Sunday, September 18th, television's greatest night is the biggest live event of the year. You can watch the show that celebrates great television, the Emmy Awards. There's no better night to watch the best of the best face off and see if your favorite show wins. I'm voting for Better Call Saul. <laughs> Plus, you can see what everyone's wearing on the red carpet, who looks as hot in real life as they do on their shows. So be there when one of the funniest men on television, Jimmy Kimmel, hosts the Emmys live Sunday, September 18th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific on ABC. Thank you. Mm. I think that's a good little intro. You're talking about television. Um, this show was actually based off of a book series. Um, the author is Max Allen Collins, and he wrote it while he was in college, actually, in Iowa in the 70s. In 1970, he was a grad student. Uh, just kind of an interesting thing. I feel like so much TV is kind of coming from that world. Yeah. And and it's fun to see it coming into television and not just movie sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel, but putting it in an episodic uh, format. It, just like the comic books, say how I learned about Corey yes. is um, I uh, watched Outcast and we did the mm -hmm. after show for that here, which uh, every episode you would see the preview for this show. And I'm like, wow, this looks really good. And Outcast is something that's based on a graphic novel series. And instead of doing a big budget movie, they've done a series and it's way better. You know, 10 succinct episodes that, it, you know, I've, follow, I've followed along with the mm -hmm. comics as well. And they're about at the same point. It's really cool to see it as they're writing it. The show's going yes. on. Yeah. See, and I, that's what I'm kind of, I've been pulling away from movies a little bit more and kind of sticking with TV and trying all these shows because there's so many great outlets for it. Um, one thing I wanted to say that Max 
Collins had said was um, on NOLA.com in an interview. He said, Corey was actually part of my MFA. It was a book I began, and one of the things was to demonstrate that a novel of that kind could be written in a contemporary fashion and that it would also not necessarily have to take place in New York or Los Angeles, which is where everything that was kind of fiction used to take place. I set my mind, I set mine in the Midwest because that's where I lived. Corey was somewhat based on a friend of mine who did a number of tours in Vietnam who I was very close to and who had had experiences similar to what Corey's character had. So there's 13 books, including one that's being released this year, which is kind of cool that it's still out there um, coming through. So if you have already read the books, I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on how this kind of measures up, you know, how closely it sticks to it or not. Um, If you didn't know that there were books, you're welcome. There's 13, it looks like, that you can kind of go through and and look through. Um, So the production of the show, Mm -hmm. actually 2013... So we've been waiting a long time for this show. I don't know if you guys out there realize that, but the pilot was ordered in April of 2013, and then the series was ordered in February of 2015, and they started filming a month later. So we've been waiting for this for now a year. A uh, year and a half, actually. It's Oh my gosh, it's September. <laughs> That's true, September 9th. We yeah. did our first airing of this. So, okay, let's move back into the episode a little bit more. Um, Moses is dead. We go see his funeral. Uh, to me, I've never lived in Memphis. Um, I'm very unfamiliar with kind of that Midwest culture that Max wrote about and that this is about as well. Um, but that funeral was kind of exactly how I picture it from everything I've kind of been exposed to. Um, beautiful choir singing, love the robes, the kind of the movements, um, the picture on top of the casket. What were what were your kind of thoughts? Just knowing he's dead and then seeing that we have to go through this phase of grief with the family. Yeah, and to me, because we'd already... This is a character we've met and we know a little bit about him and he's important to, you know, him, Mac, becoming Corey. It was really good to show this funeral. And again, it brings back into the Memphis, the Southern lifestyle, because I'm from the South. Yeah. I'm from East Texas. So it's, but it's a little bit different than, say, Memphis has its own unique culture mm-hmm. as opposed to us. So it, to me, someone who's never really lived in Memphis either, this is exactly what I expect of it, though, because yeah. of all I know. I used to watch Memphis Beat, you know, it was a short-lived series on TNT, where it's the same thing. They're bringing in the elements of what we all picture is Memphis. So we, I, this, this whole scene just kind of broke my heart because I did not predict it. Hmm. Um, like you had kind of knowing, okay, he's the one with the family. He's got the most to lose. So he's going to be the first to go, which now I'll have to look for that when I watch mm. shows or, and even this show. Uh, but it just, it broke my heart for his wife, for Ruth and the kids, because like she says in the episode, when they're after the funeral, they're back at the house kind of doing the, the wake and there, she's just one month. It's been one month, and this is what I get. And on top of that, all she knows is he's like a nighttime furniture worker. And so trying to make sense of what she would be doing in this, from all you can tell, you know, scumbag's apartment and how he would end up dead, it's kind of, especially with the experience that he has yeah. from being in war, 
And the sad thing is how true that really is because you always hear these stories about these soldiers who come home from war and then they die in like a freak accident or, you know, like this is much, much more sinister and because he put himself in that situation, but probably because he was used to dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And so it is something that's very real. Soldier comes home, you know, without a scratch only to die a month. And what did she say? A month? Yeah. Yeah. A month. Yeah. After a month. And this whole time, you know, Mac was there. Mac did all he could to try to make good on the situation and and protect his friend. Uh, I think he knew already that he was gone. Um, But he's got to just act like he doesn't know either because he didn't have a job. They didn't work together, even though this whole entire operation that ended up leading to Moses' death was actually a job that they were kind of doing together, even though it was supposed to just be the one-time for Mac. Um, did you predict that this whole thing would kind of sucker Mac in? That this would kind of be how he gets stuck? I mean, I, cause I feel like he's stuck now working with the broker. It was, this was not a choice. Yeah, I feel that some of it isn't a choice, but it's all like, I feel that there's a part of him that realizes that this is all he can do, at least for now. And that's part of what makes him feel stuck as well. It's not just that, hey, I gave your friend $30,000, you need to do this. Right. Um, but it is just that mental thing, too, is, you know, he's realized he's good at killing. Right. And, you know, based on, you know, the, the nickname, Corey, you're hollowed on the inside. And it, it's sort of... You know, that self-fulfilling prophecy or, you know, much like any, like, superhero villain, they feel like they have to do it. Right. Yeah. And it, you bring up that the broker gives him the name Corey because of where they mm. meet and he decides, oh, mm. you're actually a lot like this place. Yeah. Um, Phil had mentioned before he had to, to step out that that was kind of one of his favorite things was how this nickname came to be and just... If you guys didn't catch that, but, you know, the, the the metaphor and kind of the definition that the broker gave about a quarry um, prior to then saying, oh, I think I'll call you that. That has a nice ring to it. Um, kind of, I don't know. I love shows that kind of make you think and dig deeper and kind of have layers that kind of have to be peeled back. And like you said and I had to do, we have to rewind back to kind of check in with what happened. Uh, so I'm I'm excited for more of that to kind of, come to light and to have to happen um how did you feel about the broker i'm not sure how i feel about him yet but how did you feel about him calling mac at moses's house like when everybody was there mourning him yeah to me that was so dark but i feel like it is part of his manipulation too is he knows that the only way to get him is at the most vulnerable or to be in a situation like that where he's sort of forced to lie right yeah i just it still blows my mind that he knows everything yeah he must and that's why he even questions are you cia you know nsa Mm -hmm. stuff Mm -hmm. like that and i mean hopefully we find out later on how he's able to know all this because that's what i love is like ooh. You know, explaining things, just like we said, with right. explaining the Corey, the title, and the nickname, and all that. So, I hope that we do find out that he's some sort of black ops. Especially because he's recruiting people coming back from the war. That is normally right. something that, like, NSA, CIA, they do. I know, I would love to have it be, like, to turn like that and be like, they're actually working for the quote-unquote good guy. I don't think that that will happen. Mm. Um, but it would be, I would like that, just for my own moral compass. And for Max and, and where he is. Um, but 
I didn't like that at all. I didn't like that the broker, but I think it is, like you said, just goes to the manipulation. And at first I thought Buddy was the reason that he knew everything because he's the one kind of going and scoping out the patterns and, and keeping all the details. Mm -hmm. And I, but I just, I don't think that he can be, oh my gosh, I just thought of this sitting mm -hmm. here saying this. Do you think that's why Buddy was there and buying the flowers? Yeah, I think Buddy was there intentionally oh to, my to assess them. <laughs> and because especially as soon as we saw him, I'm like, he's going to be important later. He yeah. seems to be, you know, talking to them on purpose. Right. So, yeah, he strategic. This was before 9-11, obviously. Yeah. So getting into the <laughs> airport was a lot easier. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. No, that yeah. that really just kind of blew my mind because I just kind of dawned on me. That was not an accident. He wasn't coming home from somewhere. Because at first, I thought we would meet him later, and then, of course, we see him singing. But um, I thought that he was coming home from somewhere as well, just more of like a businessman or uh, um, or, or whatnot. But, um, yeah, so, um, but he's not the one, I think, able to follow everybody around all the time. Um, but Mac goes to the meeting, um, of course... Thinks he's super prepared, is not prepared at all, and ends up basically having to agree to work off this $30,000. And obviously that's because he didn't have DraftKings Buzz League because that um, football season is finally here mm -hmm. and it's time to put your fantasy football test to share a hundred grand a hundred grand, a <laughs> hundred grand in DraftKings free uh, one week contest. So that's right. DraftKings is hosting a free contest. It's this weekend with a hundred thousand dollars in total prizes that are up for grabs. Um, if you're not familiar, DraftKings.com is the destination for one week fantasy football. One week fantasy football means no season long commitments. This is perfect for me because I cannot watch week after week after week. I like my certain teams and my certain games. So you just pick your contest. You play whenever you want. You play with the players you want. Um, you draft your players and you follow your team live. Um, you can renew old rivalries with your friends to prove that you are the superior GM. Or you can just try a 50-50 contest where the top half of all entries win cash. DraftKings even has contests exclusively for beginners. There's something for everyone on DraftKings.com. So... Hurry up, go to DraftKings.com now, use code BUZZ, and play free in this weekend's $100,000 fantasy contest. That is a code here because you are watching After Buzz, so please use the code BUZZ and play free this weekend in the $100,000 fantasy contest. Um, it's 100% free. There is absolutely no reason not to play. And again, the code is BUZZ. Play, join in, and win some of that $100,000 um, only at DraftKings.com. Eligibility restri restrictions may apply, so you need to go to the website, DraftKings.com, for details. Um, Mac could use this. He could use yeah. some of that hundred grand to get his way out of this. Although, then we wouldn't have a show to watch. <laughs> yeah, and back in the 70s, that would have been some major oh, bank. I mean, considering gosh. a swim coach makes 5000 a year then, I'm like, I can't imagine what this would do for him. Seriously. <laughs> he would never have to work another day in his mm. life. Even if he won half of it. But uh, was there anything else in particular you want to kind of... Uh, I guess we should talk about um, Mac's final job, yeah. if you will. <laughs> I can't believe I almost left that out. Huge coming together of things, mm -hmm. um, like the missing record. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you see that coming? 
to me, it, I figured that the reason that they decided to switch gears mm-hmm. and not put him after Suggs, uh, it was because they had something that they knew would solidify you know, him into this business. I did predict like an affair earlier, but then I'd sort of come off that. So Since it didn't happen right, right then. Uh-huh. So I'm, I was a little surprised, but you know, when they showed him the file, I'm like, he's going to have something to do with him, but I did not yeah. expect sleep with his wife immediately. Right. Yeah. And even when Cliff got the little note and it was said something like, well, it looks like we're all going to have a good time tonight. <laughs> did not yeah. think that, uh, I couldn't imagine being being Mac and following him from the club to his own house. house. Like, at some point, you're driving that path, and it has to click that you might be going to your house. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. is like, Memphis is a relatively large city mm-hmm. you know, with a decent population, even back in 1972. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he really didn't start to suspect, probably till he was on his own street. And, he, and then he's like... Yeah. Around what, the corner. What's going on? Yeah. Well, you know, and you could tell, like, he's sitting in the car waiting, and he mm-hmm. sees him at the door, and you you know he knows yeah, what's up. at that and point. The only crime in this was, you know, him destroying that, I believe it was a 66 Mustang to drop on him. I mean, cool death, but <laughs> it was a lot harder to fix a window back then, guys. <laughs> well, he deserves it. Yeah. No, I, But those cars are a work of art. That's one of my oh favorite my aspects of the car, especially when yes. he was talking about the 71 Fastback. I'm like, mm. oh. I do not know anything yeah. about cars, so you are on your own. Yeah. I guess you guys can tweet her yes. and talk cars with her. <laughs> talk about, about muscle. I, I'm really into American muscle cars. So. Okay, well, yeah. this is the perfect yeah. show, hopefully. <laughs> so, I did not see that coming yeah. at all. Uh, at all that it was going to be him. I at first I kind of thought he was going to go around and he was going to like open the window or something and just like shoot him and like he was going to fall dead on top of her. And just kind of, like, leave it at that. Uh, but I really did like the way that he handled it where he didn't. He just kind of, again, held his emotions, kept his composure as much as you can in the situation. Um, goes and gets his revenge and, and due diligence and com- completing this job. And then goes home with his record. Yeah. Yeah, and to me. Yeah. Plays it loud and clear. But I love the gun on top of the record. Um, just kind of, again, solidifying, and she knew. Yeah, I figured that that specific record, by how important it was in his freakout, was going to come into play later. And this was a really interesting way of using it, especially being that the song be- was the title. So mm-hmm. it was sort of just wrapping, it was a beautiful wrap-up of the episode, and just him sort of letting her know, yeah, I know, but, you know, he's not leaving. He didn't say anything to her. So right. he's just sort of making her feel guilty. And I think that's the best thing because I don't see him doing anything to his wife. He does love her. Right. But he's just letting her know what's up. He knows. And and yeah. that's where they are right now. Yeah. It'll be really interesting to see next week if the episode opens on that same scene. You know, we kind of like mm. take a literal pick up from where we are and we see that conversation in real time happen or if it, you know, it opens up and cuts to with some time passing so that we don't you don't get to see anything more than just kind of that vacant silent stare back and forth where it's like i know yeah Yeah, i know you know you know (laughs) yeah because to me sometimes not saying anything is more powerful and that's what i like about that scene is all you're hearing is a song and just seeing them look back at one Mm -hmm. another 
And he's good at that. Yeah. Um, Mac, that character, and the actor, just, that is not easy to do. And so I'm really looking forward to, to more of that and kind of seeing, um, sometimes it is just as important what you don't say. Yeah. And, and the pauses between the words that tell the story. So this show clearly has that in the writing. Um, do you have any major predictions going into next week? I know. I mean, this is one of those shows where it's so just succinct almost in an episode. Not like a serial, but mm-hmm. you're just like, where is this going? And yeah. as I say, there were little things I could predict along in the episode. But as far as like next week, even I'm like, you know, because yeah, as you said, are they going to yeah. pick up where they left off? But to me, I see them being more like silent about it. Like it could pick yeah. up breakfast where they're not even saying anything or something like that and i don't feel that they're gonna have that confrontation just yet yeah that might be my blow up later yeah um well my i don't know if i have a prediction i there was so much in this episode just with the introductions that i i'm still kind of processing yeah and then like you predicted these things that um now i'm like oh my gosh i want to go back and watch it and kind of see if i can pick up on little things that would have showed me or told me, oh, duh, yeah. he he has everything to lose. Of course, Moses is going to be the first one to go. But um, I, I'm so excited to see more of Buddy. I'm so excited to see, uh, I guess we'll call him Corey now. He's yeah. officially Corey. Um, to see Corey and um, maybe a little bit of explanation. Um, I kind of predict maybe part of the conversation between him and his wife comes where now there's money all of a sudden. And he doesn't have a fake job. You know, at least Moses had the old job that he could kind of say he was still at, whereas Corey doesn't have that. Yeah. Um, nor does he have the time that he did to look for a job or be at a job. So it'll be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Which, actually, one last thing. What did you think when she said, like, let me wear the pants for a while? It- I- being that it was 1972, yes. I was very shocked at that. But again, that was sort of the beginning of the women's, mm-hmm. you know, in women in the workplace movement and sort of, you know, being more equal to men. Because uh, especially someone who watched like that 70s show and yeah. stuff like that, yeah. that was a big part of like the Donna character is how feminism had really started to pick up at that area. So, so that was interesting. But to me, it just seemed like, wow, like I was surprised. Yeah. 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 No, it really kind of. It made it, it brought like this modern twist to it that kind of just made it feel a little bit relevant. Um, like that would be the conversation you would hear between two people now. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of cool on one hand to kind of say, oh my gosh, they did that then a little bit. But then it's also kind of like, wow, look how far we've come. Because I feel like that conversation in some cases doesn't even have to happen now. It just is the way that it is. Yeah. In some households the the wife or the woman kind of wears the pants per se and or is the breadwinner um because she created that path for herself and the world is so much more accepting of that now than in 1970s yeah so i guess that's it any final thoughts before we say good night well, I guess yeah. at least let them know where we can find you on social media. Hey, guys. Since I'm Lucretia Lyon, you can always find me at L-A-C-R-E-T-I-A-L-Y-O-N anywhere on the internet since there is only one. And as always, you can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Cohen, C-O-U-H-E-N. Thanks so much for joining us tonight. From executive producers Maria Manunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. 
To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.